to begin a new series today called Jonah. And I'm telling you what, I'm excited about this because this book, almost everybody's heard of Jonah, even if you're, you know, anybody on the street that doesn't go to church, anybody, if you're here and you're, you're new to Christianity or new to church, you've heard about Jonah and the, that's right, that's right. We're not even going to get to the whale. <laughs> whales, whales two sermons away. Can you believe that? There's just so much meat to this book, more than you can even imagine. I'm hoping to bring some of that out, and I'm just very excited. Today, we're going to talk about the assignment, the assignment. Now, when I say that word assignment, <laughs> some of us cringe, don't we? Come on, students. Some of us cringe, especially if you're a student in the house, and especially if you have an assignment due tomorrow that you haven't finished yet like my daughter Sarah did two weeks ago when she came in from the lead retreat and she had been gone all weekend and got in late Sunday night and had a paper or a report book report or something due Monday morning and so she was up into the night trying to finish that assignment but I have to give her credit I walked in the other day and saw it after it was graded on the table and she actually got a perfect score and even, even got the bonus points. Got 110, so I can't really say a whole lot. But that word assignment kind of has different meaning to different people. But uh, we've all had assignments, haven't we? we that doesn't stop after school, does it? We all have assignments on a weekly basis. Some we, we enjoy. Some we don't mind at all. And then others we would want to avoid like the plague. Amen. Now you guys know I've 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 said this before. I'm I'm on, on paper. I'm an introvert, not on paper in reality. <laughs> I'm I you know it's God's great cosmic humor that made me a pastor, called me to pastor, and being an introvert naturally, so I have to work hard. Remember, I told you this. If I shake your hand, it's on purpose. Come on now. I did it on purpose. I did it on, I saw you, I should, it does not come natural to me. I have to work on So when a teacher or professor said, this assignment is going to be a group project, I wanted something inside of me died. It was, it was just, because listen, then I couldn't, I like to rely on myself. I know that's terrible. I'm working on it, folks. I'm working on it. But when you are in a group project, whether it's in professional business or whether it's in school, you have to rely on somebody else. And I didn't know who that somebody else was going to be, whether they were going to pull their weight, whether they were going to make time in their schedule to make this thing what it needed to be. And so anytime I heard group project, I just did not want to do it. There's parts of this job a part of the assignments of this. I, now, this part I love. I love to, to preach and to, to teach the Word. I love the Word of God. I love to see people connect to the Word of God and, and the lights to go on. I love to see people discipled and grow and connect to their purpose. That's why I'm doing it. But right now is budget time. And I, I talked to some one of our members last week, and I was talking about the budget and just going through that for the year and how necessary it is, but how much I just don't like it and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And he said, oh, I love it. Anybody like numbers? Anybody just enjoy, like it's a puzzle to you and you're like, oh, this is great. What is wrong with you? No, I'm just kidding. It's, 
it's amazing to me how some people like certain assignments and enjoy certain things. We're all wired differently. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. But we, we you know, some assignments we like, some we do not. But I want you to think of, uh, of the term assignment in this sermon. I want to shift your thinking from assignment to a more spiritual term, calling. Assignment to calling. I got uh, to see a movie this weekend called Hacksaw Ridge. Anybody seen it? Um, the story of uh, Desmond Doss, Private Desmond Doss in World War II. And uh, by the way, I do recommend the movie, but not for children. Um, I really appreciate Mel Gibson's way he did this movie. And he cut out all of the normal language that you would hear. I mean, in reality, I'm sure. And I, I just don't enjoy hearing that over and over. Anybody? And I just appreciate the way he did that. The battle scenes are very graphic. It's war. But it is a tremendously inspiring story about this man. But before all of that, he, there's a scene in the hospital. Before he goes to war, there's a scene where he rescues somebody underneath a car and takes them to the hospital. He's tied off a tourniquet around their leg, and he hands the boy off in the hospital and backs up. It's a triage center. He backs up, and he kind of just stops and looks around. And he sees somebody working on this person and helping them. Then he looks over and he sees a woman taking blood. Then he looks over here and he sees somebody helping somebody over there. And it's, this grin comes around his face and it's like he knows this is his calling. This is who God has called him to be, to help people through this way. It's a powerful powerful thing in my life. And by the way, calling, sometimes in, in Christian world, we think of calling as ministry only. That's not true. We need people of God in the marketplace. We need people of God like my wife in the school system. That's a calling. We need people of God uh, doing all sorts of things, oh, business owners like my friend Eddie and, and different people that are here that are, that are operating their business with integrity and honor. We need Christians in all manner of things, and so that calling could be any number of things. I remember my calling to full-time ministry came between 8th and ninth grade years. Is it okay if I just kind of tell some stories today? That's kind of what this is going to be. We're going to take our time. I had it all figured out up until that point. My friend and I were going to go into law enforcement. I mean, we were from Marietta. We were going to go to North Georgia College, major in criminology, and be a part of the GBI, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. We had it all figured out. And by the way, nothing wrong with that. I have friends that went into GBI and now are Secret Service. Nothing wrong with that at all. That's a calling. But it wasn't mine. <laughs> and I, in between 8th and ninth grade year, I went to a summer camp. And there was a special speaker there, and he was talking about full-time ministry, the calling into full-time ministry, and he gave an altar call at the end for anybody who thought maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit was leading them. Now, I was 13, but I found myself, it was like an out-of-body experience. I found myself walking down to the front. I'm going, the whole time, I'm like, what, am I, what are you doing? I had this thing, why are you, what are you doing? Stop. And I went down in that altar, Roger. I felt the presence of the Lord, and I was given the, assured, the, the sure knowledge 
in my spirit that this was a calling, that it was going to happen, but I had no clue what that looked like. The calling I knew was sure. When I stood up, I knew. I knew. But I had no idea what it was going to look like. I did not have the specifics. Are you getting this? I did not have the details. Well, the next few weeks, we're going to be studying a man who had a very rare opportunity. Jonah's calling, listen to me, was absolutely crystal clear. His assignment was perfectly clear. But what we are going to learn is that, look at the screen, clarity does not always make it easier to obey. Clarity does not always make it easier to obey. In my opinion, I think sometimes it makes it harder. I mean, come on, think about it. If I was was my 13-year-old self and God gave me every detail to the ministry that I would be leading and the the things that would go right and the things that would go horribly wrong... And all the moving and all the, the, the strife and all the struggles that come along with all that, do you think I still would have done it? It's too much. It was too much. It's kind of like when I had uh, sh- uh, shoulder surgery a few years ago. In 2013, I had a terrible shoulder injury, tore my uh, rotator cuff almost completely through skiing. And so... It, it got so bad that I could barely put a jacket on. I couldn't reach back at all. And I love to play golf. I'm terrible at it. But I love to play, and I couldn't even swing. So we went in, and they said, it's so bad, you're going to have to have surgery. Now, you don't have to. But if you ever want to be able to use that fully, again, you're going to have to do it. Well, I had the surgery, and it was the most horrible thing on the planet. Anybody ever had uh, that kind of surgery, shoulder surgery? It is terrible. I woke up in pain and was in pain for six weeks. I couldn't sleep through the night. I had never had a narcotic in my body, and I had to take the pain pills, and it messed me completely up. Come on, somebody. I was like, where am I? I did not enjoy that. Some people really liked that. (laughs) Thankfully, I did not. As soon as I could get off of those things, I did. But listen, if I had, oh, the physical therapy... They don't, it's not physical therapy, it's physical torture. I mean, they, you go in there th- voluntarily three days a week for an hour and a half and they mess with your arm and pull and make you do... You, then, they, then when you get further along, they make you torture yourself until it, <laughs> until it gets all worked out again. And, but you know what? Then I could use my arm again, my shoulder again. And, but if I had known how awful... It was going to be. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I would have done it. So details and clarity does not always make it easier to obey. Now let me give you some background on Jonah. He lived in the 8th century B.C., so seven, 800 years before Christ. He lived near the town of Nazareth where Jesus grew up later. And he lived in the northern kingdom. This is after Solomon. This is after God judged and the the, the kingdom of Israel was split. And so you had ten tribes in the north and two tribes in the south called Judah. And so he was living in that northern tribe and he was already a prophet. This was not his first assignment. This was not his first go around. This was his latest assignment. And he served under King Jeroboam II. So let's get reading. That was a long intro, wasn't it? (laughs) 
that's, that's why we're only going to get through three verses today. That's, that's fine. It's going to be all right. I'm going to catch up next week, I hope. Let's start reading in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. I'm in the NIV today on the screen. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Now, I just said, remember, this is not new. Jonah knew the voice of the Lord. He was used to hearing the voice of God. This was not his first assignment. So he knew it was God. Okay? And he already had this life calling on him to be a prophet. And listen, the assignment was perfectly clear. Number one, he got the go. He said, You're, God said, you are to go. And then two, he got the place. Come on, he go to Nineveh. And then he got the what? This is rare, folks. If you read the Bible and study, most of these guys don't get it all at once. And most of us don't get it all at once. He's getting everything. He got the place, Nineveh, and then he even got the what, which was to preach against it. And then he got what most of us never get at that moment. He got the why. And that was because of their wickedness. Let me tell you about Nineveh. Nineveh was located roughly in modern-day Syria. That wasn't clean borders like it is now. It actually ran over into Iran and Iraq. So you get the picture of where this place was. A history of violence goes back thousands and thousands of years. Nineveh, you need to hear this because this is so important to the rest of the whole series. Nineveh was a wicked place full of non-Jewish people, unlike, you know, Jonah. Non-Jewish people doing very non-Jewish things. They were enemies of Israel. Did you know that? They were enemies of Israel. And they were known to be a cruel and brutal people. It was also a very large city. The Word of God says over 120,000 people. And some scholars believe it's much larger, five to 600,000. That's very unusual for this time period to have a city that large. Now, let me give you the story behind the story. Everybody listening? The story behind the story is the fact that God wants to reach everyone. The story behind the story is God's amazing grace and mercy to everyone and not just one people group. That goes back to Genesis chapter 12 and 15 and 17 where God speaks to Abraham and says, through you, I'm going to birth a nation and I'm not going to stop there. Through that nation, I'm going to provide a Messiah that will bless the nations. He's talking about Jesus all the way back in Genesis chapter 12. Let me, let's go on with verse 3. But Jonah ran away. But Jonah, wait a minute, I thought it was a clear call for it. It was. But Jonah ran away from who? He knew it was the Lord. Remember, there's no ambiguity. He knew 
It was God. And he headed for Tarshish where he rejected his latest assignment. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee the Lord. And folks, he didn't just go across town. I mean, he was trying to get away. He was putting skin in the game. He was paying for a ticket to get out of town and not just to go a little ways. He was going to what is modern-day Spain. He figured, I guess, that God just dwelled in the Middle East there in that portion of Palestine, and if he could get out of the Middle East, then he could get away from God. We know that's not possible, and he would find that out. God is omnipresent. Come on. So he's, he's really, really trying to get away from this. Now, I have some theories as to why he ran. Now, some are very common in commentaries that you'll read. And then this first one, though, I haven't seen. This is my theory or one of my theories about why he ran away. One possible reason he ran away, look at the screen, was that Jonah felt overwhelmed with the assignment. Jonah felt overwhelmed. Anybody ever feel overwhelmed? Come on now. About 20 of you raised your hand. The rest of you are lying. You might be overwhelmed right now with something. Look at me. Being overwhelmed is a terrible, terrible feeling, isn't it? It doesn't matter how small it seems to somebody else or how big. I'll prove it. When I was in fifth grade, I was really, really struggling with math. Well, let me stop there. I've always struggled with math. You can ask Eddie. <laughs> Eddie, George Hoy. We got a, 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 an offering for some bikes, a big offering for some bikes. And I said, oh, for $50 each, we can buy this many bikes. And he's like, oh, pastor, no. He said, you let me do the math and you preach. <laughs> you got it. And I still couldn't figure out why I got it wrong. <laughs> Get my calculator. Oh, oh, all right. Okay, yeah. But in, sorry, in fifth grade, and I know they're probably way past this now in fifth grade, but we were doing long division. And I couldn't get it. I couldn't get it. My girls are all brilliant in math. I, I, I mean, and my sister has a degree in math. I totally missed the boat always struggled in math and, and in this situation I couldn't get it and on top of that I had a, a mean teacher anybody have a mean math teacher when you have a bad teacher in any subject it makes all the difference good teacher, bad teacher it makes all the difference and especially in math and so I would go to her and ask questions and ask questions and ask questions I think she just got frustrated with me and I literally one day I remember like it was yesterday I went home and I just collapsed and began crying. My mom walked in. <laughs> she was like, did the dog get hit by a car? What happened? I mean, she was, I was bawling. Fifth grade now. This is not little bitty kid. I was overwhelmed. Overwhelmed to the point that I lost it. Maybe you're overwhelmed today in your finances. You don't have enough money to make the end of the, the month. Maybe you're overwhelmed in your marriage right now. Maybe you're overwhelmed. You have children who are away from God and, and running from God. It's like Jonah. 
Maybe you're taking care of ailing parents and it's overwhelming you or a parent. Maybe you're lonely and that's becoming overwhelming. Look at me. Over, being overwhelmed is terrible. It's a terrible, powerful feeling. Listen, God is asking Jonah to go to his known enemy. A people who hate his guts, who were known, listen, to skin their captives alive, who are wicked and repulsive in every way, including child prostitution in their temples and child sacrifice to their gods. Don't you think it's a little understandable now that we have that information as to why Jonah was on a boat? He was overwhelmed and probably terrified. I think he was probably doing what we try to do. He was trying to embrace the whole assignment at once. He was trying to put his arms around the whole thing at once, and it was too big for him. He got all the information, and he tried to embrace the whole thing at once, and it overwhelmed him, and we do the same thing. We try to look at all of it at once and embrace all of it at once and do it all at once, and we can't do it. I'm about to give you some real practical things right here. In 2011, I felt God spoke to me clearly to do my master's in theology. I knew that he was shifting me from worship pastor to senior pastor, and I knew that this was what he wanted me to do. And so I didn't want to take three years to do it. That was the slow track. So I opted for the fast track. And I started looking at my year. Twelve months. Twelve graduate classes. Research papers, exams, book critiques, thousands of pages to read and study and know, discussion boards where I have to interact with all these people that I don't even know online. And you know how I am. I don't even, you know, I was, whatever. <laughs> all, <laughs> all, listen, all with a family. My girls, none of them have a driver's license at the time, so we're, we're going everywhere driving. On top of that, Kathy is in the middle of her master's in education. Crazy. Impossible. Overwhelming. But here's what I did, and here's what you can do. Listen. Look at the screen. Break it down. I don't think we have that. Do we have that? Yeah, we do. Good. That's not a a musical move either. I'm not going to beatbox for you. Break it down. Everybody say that. Break it down. Say it with a little attitude. Break it down. There you go. I had to break it down. Instead of looking at a whole year and 12 classes and research papers and all the stuff in the syllabus that I knew I was going to have to do, I, I had to break it down to eight weeks because I was only going to be taking two classes at a time per eight weeks. And then that still felt a little heavy. So I had to go on down to one week at a time. 
Because each week had its own work to do. I'm preaching and you don't even know it. Each week had its own thing to do. There would only be two assignments due per week. That's all I had to worry about. And suddenly when I broke it down from a year to eight weeks to one week, I realized it was not only doable, it was exciting. It was something that God was going to use powerfully. And I understood. I understood. Our assignment, our mess, our storm, whatever it is, those things that we're supposed to be facing that we're not, that we're running away from, that are overwhelming us can be the same way. If we try to embrace the whole thing at once, it's going to overwhelm us. Break it down. Jonah was running away, I think, partly because he was overwhelmed. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 34, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself each day. Everybody say each day. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Can I get a hearty amen? Each day has enough trouble of its own. Did you know my mom got saved on that scripture? My mom struggles with worry and and, and doubt and fear about the future and about her kids and about all those things. And she got saved under that scripture. Listen, this is so important. Look at the screen. When we receive an assignment from God, the only thing we need to worry about first is saying yes. Let me do that again because that was a lot better in my mind. Okay? Listen, when we receive an assignment, whatever that is, that assignment could be dealing with something that you haven't dealt with that needs to be dealt with. That assignment could be a call of God. That assignment could be something he's put on your heart. That call of God could be calling your parent that you're estranged to. That assignment could be many, many things. Whatever it is, when we receive a word from God and we know it's him, the only thing, everybody say only thing, the only thing you need to worry about first is saying yes. Quit dwelling on the details of tomorrow. Quit dwelling on all the, the mountains that are going to be facing you and the struggles that if you say yes, don't worry about any of that first. Just say yes to the Lord. Give God praise if you believe it. Then we put tomorrow in God's hands. We say yes first. And then we put tomorrow in God's hands. Now the other reason I believe, and this is more common in the commentaries, that Jonah rejected his assignment was because the people were his enemies. Nineveh was his enemy. He hated them. He didn't want God to rescue them. He didn't want God to warn them. He didn't want God to lift them up. He didn't want God to give them a second chance, third chance. He did not want God to save them. Just imagine this. God dropped this into my spirit as I was studying this this week. What if God spoke clearly to you that he wanted you to go infiltrate ISIS? Now listen, not so that you could report back to the CIA and they could send a drone and blow them off the face of the planet, which... We all want. I know we do. 
Come on, we're humans. We have watched, we have seen on television them taking the life of people, torturing children, all of these horrible beheadings and everything that they have done. They're demon-possessed. They are, they are terrible, evil people. But they're no worse than the people of Nineveh. Because they did the same thing. What if God put it in your heart to go and win the people of ISIS to Jesus? I think we'd probably all find ourselves on a boat with Jonah to Spain. Are you getting this? Is this a new angle for you? And even after he goes to Nineveh, we know the story. We're going to get there. Hopefully, in the series, at some point, we're going to get to Nineveh. But even after he goes there as the reluctant prophet and going through a whale to get there, he struggles with this tension continuously of God's grace and mercy for a people that he does not like. He doesn't even think are worthy of God's time, let alone his salvation. But aren't you glad that God thinks differently? Aren't you glad that it wasn't up to Jonah who God would read? Because if it was, the only people with any hope of salvation would be the people of Israel. Aren't you thankful that Jonah is not God? Aren't you thankful that you're not God and I'm not God? Aren't you thankful? Come on, this is Thanksgiving week, folks. We ought to have a joyful heart about this. Aren't you thankful that God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life? Aren't you thankful for the grace and the mercy of God to anyone who will accept it? Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, we would all be going to the same place without his grace, without his mercy. Jonah had a clear assignment from God, but it got overwhelmed with fear, with bitterness, and perhaps, and I think probably even hatred. What might have happened if he had bowed his knee to all of that, surrendered all of that immediately? It's not the feelings that was the problem. We're humans, folks, right? When I said that about ISIS, something rose up in you. And, you, and, and, and something you wouldn't maybe not admit it, or maybe you would admit it. I'll admit it. Are you kidding me? Go try to save ISIS? What might have happened if he had just surrendered? We don't know. We can't change Jonah's story. But we can change ours. We can learn from Jonah. You can change the trajectory of your life this morning by trusting him, by surrendering to the Lord everything here's the big idea surrender is the first step 
to completing your God-given assignment. Surrender is the, don't, look, don't worry about the details today. Don't worry about how it's going to play out today. Whatever that assignment, I think if you're a believer here today, God's already begun to put something in your heart if you don't have it already. Whatever that assignment for the day is, surrender is the key to fulfilling that. To start there and not worry about the details right now. I had two more pages of notes this week. You'll be glad to know I've done away with that. When I was studying this on Friday and I had two more pages to go, trying to get through chapter one, the Holy, listen to me, the Holy Spirit arrested me and said, no, you need to stop right here and give the people space to surrender. Give the people space to surrender. Folks, we have to surrender everything. The overwhelming things. The burdens. The dreams that seem too big for us. The failures. Everything. Everything. It begins, it all begins with surrender. Would you stand with me?